Hey guys, how's it going? Sunny D here. The episode you're about to listen to is the money episode continued. We're getting ready to roll into the money episode and this will be episode 12 where I'm going to talk to you about some financial terms, help you become more savvy, more knowledgeable on your road to investing. We're going to talk about a couple terms. You'll hear IPOs. You'll also hear stocks, a little breakdown definition of stocks, and a little bit about exchange traded funds. Hope you guys enjoy. What's up, what's up, what's up? What's going on, guys? How you doing out there? This is Sunny D, and you are now listening to the YFYI podcast, and this is another money edition. Today I'm going to be talking about some terms that I think you want to know as you're developing your career, as you're moving through your life, and you're thinking long term, starting to think about you know, maybe investing, starting to think about what you should do with your money, starting to learn some of the lingo that's spoken around places like Wall Street and places where people are moving mountains of cash around. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, talk a little bit about these different terms and hopefully give you some information that you can take. This is your first time tuning into the YFYI podcast. Welcome. Every now and again, I like to do a little money episode where I focus more on the fuel of your business, the cash of your business, and different things that I'm learning I'm learning this information just like you. I didn't go to any college to learn about investing or learn about, you know, talking about stocks or trading or anything like that. I've just been learning bit by bit by bit. I pay attention. I tune in. I consume information, gobble up everything I can get my eyes, ears, and hands on. And so every once in a while, I like to jump in on the YFYI podcast and do a money episode so we can kind of grow and learn this stuff together. And it's a topic that I think, you know, a lot of people shy away from. Yet every time I'm doing a class or talking with a group of people about their business, their beauty business, and I say, who wants to make more money? Every single hand goes up. You know, there's always a few people that don't put their hand up, you know, and those people, I call them liars, right? I mean, come on, they probably lie about a bunch of shit, but the truth tellers put their hand up. They put their hand up because they want to make more money. We all want to make more money. We want to have a more successful career. We want to grow our income. We want to grow, you know, our our portfolio. We're talking we're talking about getting gaining more assets. And with more assets comes more access. And there's nothing wrong with having money as one of your goals. There's nothing wrong with wanting to become rich or even, you know, wealthy, right? Nobody wants to just be comfortable. That's how the dead are. The dead are comfortable. So we want to become rich. We want to become wealthy. We want to gain more assets because with more assets comes more access. Access to better quality of life, better health care, better, better everything. 
better shoes if you're into that, whatever you're into. So thanks for tuning in. I come to you each and every week hacking the bob or as I like to call it the business of beauty. And you can follow our my Instagram. If you're on Instagram, it's at your first year in. If you haven't read YFYI, Your First Year in the Beauty Industry, or my new book, YFYI, Your First Year in Salon Ownership, you can get both of those anywhere you like to get books. I mean, you can go to yourfirstyearin.com. That's the easiest, probably most direct way. Of course, you can go on Amazon. You can probably find links on either Instagram or Facebook pages. You can hit me up directly at SunnyD1.0, whatever you want to do. If you haven't read them, read them. It's a consolidation of thoughts, things that I've learned, things that I'm practicing, things that I'm doing. And then the podcast gives me a platform to be able to come on and continue and expand and keep the conversation going. So let's talk about money. So there's a couple terms that I want to go over today. One of those terms is IPO. Right? IPO. Now, Some of you, you may have never heard that term before in your life. Some of you may have. I'm teaching my youngest right now. He's 10 years old. I'm teaching him about stocks, stock market, what an IPO is. And, you know, one of the things right now, it's if you're paying attention at all to any like finance or business news, IPO is the talk. It's all the rage. What IPO is and what IPO stands for. IPO stands for Initial Public Offering. So every single company that's formed, if it's a corporation, there's corporations, there's S-corporations, we'll get into that a little bit later. But when you're formed as a corporation, you're formed as a company, typically you're going to be formed, you're going to be a private company. Meaning you keep your own books or you, you, your accountant, whoever keeps your own books. You're responsible for your income, your expense, all of that stuff. And it's yours and yours only. It's private. You're a private company. Many companies, like I work with Paul Mitchell, they're still a private company going on 40 years, getting ready to celebrate 40 years in business. Private company. Some companies stay private forever. And some companies decide to become public. So when they go public, that's an, a one-time event. And when that event occurs, it's called their IPO, their initial public offering. Now, once they go public, once they become a public company, then that means that all of their books are open to review for the public to see, one thing. And number two, their stock, their company stock, there becomes shares available for purchase on a stock exchange to the public. And that could be the NYSE, the New York Stock Exchange, the NASDAQ, there's a couple other exchanges, but those are the two big ones. The New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ. So what happens is a public a company decides to go public, there's a, there's a ton of paperwork they have to go through and make sure their books are in order. And then they'll do what's called a roadshow. And then during that roadshow, they're going to go around pitching investment companies, big companies that got big money that can buy big pieces 
of their company. And then those companies will then take those pieces and then they can sell them to customers all the way down the line. Now, in today's day and age, technology, just like technology has disrupted just about everything, technology has disrupted the trading and the way stocks can be purchased and sold big time. So it used to be like you had a stockbroker, you, you know, you call them on the phone and say there's a company out there and there's tons of public, there's thousands of public companies. We'll just use one for example, you know, Apple. Everybody knows Apple. So if you wanted to buy a share of Apple, you'd have to get in touch with a broker. That broker would go and do their little behind the scenes work and purchase that share under your name and then they you'd have an account with them they'd manage that account for that they'd collect the fee that's kind of the old school way of doing it and some of the old movies or you ever see like you know pictures in New York Stock Exchange people down on the floor yelling putting in trades cuz that goes all the way down to the New York Stock Exchange floor right there on Wall Street and they're putting in trades you know making bids on, on offers, selling and buying. It's it's a frenzy. A lot of that's gone away. I mean, there's that still does exist. The New York Stock Exchange, the floor of the exchange still exists. There's still some people down there, but it's definitely not like it used to be because computers have really taken over any, everything. So now even you, me, an average person could bypass all of that. There's apps out there. One of the apps that I use it's called Robinhood. This is not a paid advertisement. This is just a quick little shout out. But Robinhood is an app that you can go on. You can deposit some money from your banking account with your checking account or whatever. And then you could buy shares of a company. If you wanted to go on there and buy a share of Apple, you don't need to have a broker. You don't need to contact somebody else. You don't need to, you know, go through another company that's gonna take you know their percentage and make recommendation and this and that you can literally go right on an app like Robinhood there's plenty of them out there I think the uh, I don't know if the acorn one does that or there's the other I forget what is some of the other ones uh, let's see I'm gonna look in my phone because I probably have most of them downloaded so I like to see what's going on I know eTrade E-Trade's a popular one. Uh, let's see here. So we've got Robinhood. That's the one I'm using right now. Wealthfront. That Wealthfront is a whole nother, you know, app that can manage your investments and can manage your like retirement. You know, if you're planning on retirement, Stash. I have Stash. I haven't used it. That's another one. But there's plenty of apps out there. If you go in the app store and you put in investing or buying stocks, they'll all pop up. It's probably what I should have done in the first place. So I could give you some other names. But I mean, I, I just, I came across, now how I do it, like if I come across like Robin Hood or I come across, usually it's because I'm listening, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm listening to either a podcast on investing or or watching a video on investing and that's how I'll find out about some of the ones that are out there if they're making noise in the market or I'll be watching CNBC and I'll hear about a company that's has some you know disrupting technology and that's how I'll usually find these apps 
But if you go in the app store and you put in investing, like this comes up, my Wall Street, um, invest in stocks, stash, when I just talked about investing.com, Robinhood. I mean, and you can look, I mean, Acorns. There's a little apps on there where you can learn to invest. E-Trade, of course, we talked about that. Some of one of the well-known ones. So there's there's tons of different ones that are on there that you can go on there, put some money in, and buy a share. Now, if you go on one of these apps, you'll also get all the information about the company too. So you'll be able to see like what the company's up to, you know, what what they any recent reports about the company. You'll be able to see all that stuff right on your phone. That's the kind of cool part about it. And when you decide to buy, you put in your purchase order. Next thing you know, boom, you just bought a piece of a public company. Now, there was a day that happened in that company's past when that company went public. And when that happened, it was a big event. So the company's founders and some of their key employees, they'll all go down to the stock exchange and they'll get to ring in the bell and they'll get to be a part of this event you know known as their IPO day now just recently you know there's been some really huge ones some huge IPOs but that day is is a significant day because that day <clears throat> is when a company opens up its shares to the public to buy and there's a giant influx of cash that's coming in I'm talking major cash especially if the owner the founders they did a great job on the roadshow and they were able to show the the strength and the pitch the vision of where their company can go and really convince these investors to take some big positions and commit to buying now a company only has so many shares Right, 100% of its shares, maybe it has a million shares. And maybe when they're going to go public, they want to offer you know, 200,000 shares to the public. Then those investors can lock up and make a commitment to certain numbers of shares if that roadshow is successful, if the founders do a great job pitching the company, showing the value, getting everybody hyped about it. Then that day... You know, the, the financial geniuses as they are, they'll kind of figure out what the valuation should be based on the appetite, based on how many pre-orders they have. So they'll be able to price that stock. So when it has its first trade to the public, it'll open at a certain price and then people will be able to buy and sell, buy and sell, buy and sell, buy and sell. Now, during that company's come up, Before they go public, there's lots of, you know, key employees, early employees that have may, may have been getting even paid in some stock while they were private, while they were raising money or trying to build up their sales and revenue. So a lot of those key employees, that day when that company goes public, they're sitting there like their net worth goes from like nothing to now they're millionaires instantly. And a lot of the big companies that IPO, they create tons and tons of millionaires on IPO day. So that's why it's a big event because all of a sudden all this cash comes in.
And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of those big companies, some of the biggest IPOs we've seen in the last, you know, short period of time. This past few months, there's been some huge ones, also some of the most significant ones in history. So stay tuned. We'll be right back talking more about IPOs and a little bit of financial literacy on the money episode of the YFYI podcast. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. We're back. You're listening to the YFYI podcast. Today we're talking about IPOs, initial public offerings, what it means, what it does, what it means to you as a new potential investor, maybe somebody that's thinking about investing. Maybe you're not an investor yet. Maybe you're thinking about getting in the game. So knowing what an IPO is, number one, initial public offering, when a company decides to offer shares, offer percentages, however, little pieces of their company to the public, that's an IPO event. So I want to share some of the biggest ones and what it did and to that company at the onset, like when a company goes public. So we'll take Facebook, for example. Facebook was founded in, I believe, 2004. They went public in 2012. So that's in May, actually. May 18th, couple days, you know, away from there. I guess that would be four, let's see, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. So that would be eight years before they went public. And we're in May right now, so they just celebrated. I mean, if you think about 2004 to now it's 2019, so that's 10. So they're looking at 15 years. They're celebrating 15 years. I believe they were founded in 2004. Let's see, Facebook founded. 2004, yeah, 2004. So 2004, so they're yeah just celebrating 15 years in business. And I mean, it still seems like a young company, but I mean, so 2004 to 2012, they're private. 2004 to 2012, they're trying to make money. They're either taking money from investors, like one of the early investors in Facebook is a guy named Peter Thiel. He made the first, you know, real kind of substantial investment. I think he put like, you know, half a million in, into the company to keep them going, to pay for some staff, to pay for marketing, to pay for technology, to pay for equipment, to pay for, you know, office space, all that kind of stuff. So as the company's private, they're all, they're raising their own money, either from sales, from investors, they're funding it, they're fueling it, their books are off the books, they're private, everything is private. So they go public in 2012. And when they go public in 2012, they open up their shares to the public. It The stock market opens at 9.30. It doesn't happen right at 9.30 typically when a company goes public. There's a lot of, you know, last minute shifts. There's a lot of last minute orders. There's a lot of last minute things that happen. So, Usually, when a company goes public, the day it goes public, the first trade when the market opens at 9.30 doesn't happen at 9.30. I've seen it happen at 11. I've seen it happen at 12. I've seen it happen. You know, it's just, it takes a minute. It takes a minute. And when that company goes public, then the public can now, like you, me, anybody, can go on 
and you can start buying shares of that company at whatever the price is as it's listed. So some of the biggest ones in history I want to go over real quick with you guys. And you probably have heard of most of these companies. It's, um, it's not a secret here. So let's talk about some of the biggest ones. So there's a little company called Alibaba. Alibaba, created by Jack Ma, it's a Chinese company. They're the biggest in history. And when they went public on September 19th, 2014. Now this becomes like how many shares were sold. Then you could see like the total value of the company. What the, how the company looks based on its IPO. The biggest IPO bringing in and bringing that company's value to $167.4 billion. Biggest one in history. The second biggest company we just talked about, Facebook. The next one after that, so Google in 2004, $23 billion. So you can see the size of Alibaba and Facebook. I mean, Facebook four times the size. There was a lot of hoopla about that company when it went public. Uh, Twitter, $14 billion. LinkedIn, $4 billion. Square, the payment company, $2 billion. Match.com, $2 billion. Pandora, $2 billion. Etsy, $1 billion. So those are you know some of the tech companies. Mostly all the tech companies, those are considered uh, biggest IPOs in history. Some of the more recent ones that we've had just recently... There's a little company you may have heard of called Uber. There's a little company you may have heard of called Lyft. And there's another one called Pinterest. There's one called Zoom. Uh, I've used, I use and have used all of these companies before, as many of you have too. So these are some of the biggest ones that just went public. And when you look at the marketplace, a lot of there's an appetite for public companies. But when those companies go public, those shares are available. All, a lot of those early you know employees they become like millionaires instantly instantly so when Facebook went public for example let's take a look at some of the stats here there's st- stats that were reported so okay here I'm gonna read this this little bit from you if the thousand if the 1000 number is true then every one of face of the company's 700 employees as of the end of 2008 as well as hundreds of other employees and investors have shares worth at least 1 million dollars or more so that's a little 700 employees as as of the end of 2008 and hundreds of other employees and investors have shares worth at least $1 million or more. Because there was a lot of people that started at Facebook in those early days that, you know, they weren't getting paid their whole salary in cash because the company didn't have that much cash. So they were getting paid in stock. Now, when the company goes public, if you are one of those early employees, you have a bunch of stock, you're not allowed to just go cash out. There's usually what's called a holdup period. So during that holdup period, could be several months, you'll you'll not be able to sell either all or a certain percentage of your stock. But you'll still be on paper, you know, you could become a millionaire, depending on how early you were. Now, how do you become 
an early investor. So there's a lot of companies out there that are private companies. Companies like mine are private companies. You know, you can be maybe be approached or approach, and you could offer up a certain amount of money. That company will kind of tell you what their valuation is, what they think they're worth, and then you could buy a a piece or several pieces or shares or percentage of that company at whatever that valuation is. And with that, you now are an investor. Now you hold on to those stocks. What are those stocks worth? They're At that point in time, they're really worth whatever the valuation the company put on them. And valuations are tricky. Sometimes it's looked at like earnings. So, you know, after taxes, expenses, interest, everything is paid, the money left over, the profit or the earnings, then you could take those earnings and some companies use a multiple. So I'll give you a quick example. Say a company, it's a private company, brings in $100,000. After all expenses are paid, taxes, all the expenses that they incur, all their payroll, everything, then there's $20,000 left over. That $20,000 falls to the bottom line. That becomes their earnings. That becomes their profit. Right? Now, that company then could take that depending on what industry there is, they're in. There's like certain multiples that are used. So it could be three times. So that company's value, they'll say, well, you know, over the next three, four, five, six, seven, ten years. You know, that company at the growth rate, they'll look at the growth rate of the company over its history. Then they'll say it's worth, you know, three times earnings. So then that company could be worth that 20,000 times three could be worth 60,000. That's be the earnings. Whatever it is, four times, five times, there's lots of different multiples. And so then if that company had, we'll just say that company has a hundred shares then they're worth, we'll just say if they're worth, you know, three times earning, if they're worth $60,000, and that's what was figured out, and that's where it gets a little tricky, and that's where all the accountants come in, but if you were to say that company is worth $60,000, and they had, you know, 100 shares, then each of those shares would be, you know, 600 bucks a piece, worth 600 bucks a piece. And that's how a company can value itself and value its shares. Now, typically, a company is going to have a lot more than 100 shares. You know, they're going to probably have, they could have a million. I mean, a lot of companies have, you know, a million shares. So that same company, they have, you know, a million shares. If they have a $60,000 um, $60, valuation, then you break up those million shares by 60000 you can figure out what they're worth. So that might be the way that a company would figure it out. In that case, you know, that might be six cents a share. Because six cents, you know, times a million is going to equal sixty thousand. And so if they sell if they sell you, you come, you got a dollar, you have one dollar, and you divide that one dollar by six cents, you can buy sixteen shares. There you go. And then that really, that dollar would represent whatever those 16 shares are, which would represent whatever percentage of that company 
you just purchased. And that's how the business goes. So if you buy a share of Apple, we talked about earlier, for 200 bucks, one share, you own a small sliver, a small percentage of that company. So when you think about buying stocks, you know that's the great way to think about them. And that's what I was sharing with my, my youngest son. I said, if you buy a stock, you're buying a very small piece of that company. Depending on how many shares are available and what the company is worth, how many shares are out there, you are an owner, a small, very small percentage owner. Maybe you don't have any real say in anything that's going on in the company owner, but you are thinking about it like that. Now, there's a lot of people out there that don't. They're just buying, trading, trying to time the market. You know, I'm a, I'm a more of a Warren Buffett approach where I'm like, if I'm going to buy a company, it's because I'm interested in the company. I think there's value in the company. I want to hold on to that stock and, and see that industry develop. I have some interest. And if for whatever reason, I kept buying that stock and I bought it up, bought all of it, would I at some point potentially want to own said company? So that's one approach, you know, looking at it as a longer term thing, not a gambling thing, not a get in and out thing, but there's a lot of people who do that. It's no right or wrong approach. It's just whatever your philosophy is. But when I'm buying a company, I'm looking at it like, that's an industry that I'm interested in. I wouldn't mind owning that company. I may not be able to buy that company right away, but I'm going to you know, buy a small percentage and I may continue to buy. Sometimes you may hold and just watch what's going on if there's a lot going on in the industry or a lot going on in the market. There's always news. News can come out. A tweet can come out. A, you know, Breaking news can happen and it could make a stock go up and down. Stocks will go up and down because there's a lot of buyers and sellers at all times. But over the long term, if you want to make money investing, you should really look in the companies that you're interested in, industries that you believe in, and just start investing. You know, start small, invest a little bit. You can continue to let it grow, <clears throat> invest some more, you know, watch it grow. Think about a few different companies. You can diversify. There's a great way if you want to get into the market. There's something called ETFs, Exchange Traded Funds. ETFs, if you buy those, those are actually pieces of an industry. So there's like real estate ETFs, there's technology ETFs, where you actually buy that one ETF, but that gives you a little piece of multiple different types of companies in that single industry. And that's a great way if you're looking at long term. Versus going into technology, for example, and just buying Apple, you could find a technology exchange traded fund, which is a conglomerate, like it's a whole grouping of all these different technology companies, which it could include Apple, Pinterest, Uber, all of these different ones that are public. And you buy that fund and you hold on to that over time. It almost averages out how all of those companies do together. So then you can have a piece of the bigger pie. So that's one way to invest. And then there's also just the individual, just buying directly, buying a piece of one company at a time or multiple companies, but you own those stocks individually. So those are just some of the things behind an IPO, an exchange traded fund. Definitely want to look into that. You know how those work. There's lots of different you know, companies out there. 
that have formed exchange traded funds and you can like I said find them in different different um, industries you can look at it you can look in the different kind of industries that you like that's where I would start things that you're interested in and then find out what that exchange traded fund holds so they'll have a combination I mean there's stocks there's commodities there's bonds and it's basically a you know, really, it's an arbitrage mechanism that's going to help, you know, keep you um, in a multiple. So a, it's a great way to really kind of get diversified. And then there's different indexes and you can watch an exchange traded fund. You can watch an index and see like what overall how that that's performing over time. And there's going to be history on those. So if you're going into an exchange traded fund, you definitely can look at the history you can see how it's performed over time. You can see how it's performed over time versus the overall market. You know, like the S&P, Standard & Poor, is a collection, you know, is a fund of all these different stocks over time. And you can see how they perform. So if you're looking at investing, I would start there. Looking into, you know, now that you understand what an IPO is, you understand how these companies became public, how they became for sale for you, the individual, to be able to buy them. Then I would start looking into individual companies, maybe tracking a few companies, downloading an app where you can follow a couple of these companies, seeing how they move up and down and, and kind of over time how they perform. And then if you're feeling, you know, you're feeling good about it, you got a little information, execute a trade. Buy one share of one company that you think of what you use on a regular basis. Think of what, you know, you use in your lifestyle. Think of industries that you're in, you know, you know, into. And there's so many companies out there that are public that you may have never even thought, oh, is Home Depot? Yeah, is Kohl's? Yeah, is JCPenney's? Yeah, Apple, Google, you know, Uber, Starbucks, all these different ones. And then maybe buy one share and just watch and see how it does. And then the other thing I would do, guys, is I, was look, I would look into ETFs, exchange-traded funds. Find out, you know, what those are, a little bit more about those. Find out what are some of the, I mean, there's... Like Vanguard, I'm going to throw that name out there. It's a really well-known, successful fund. From It's been going on forever. So there's going to be different ones you'll come across. But the great thing about it is because these are all publicly traded companies and the funds are made up of publicly traded companies, all of the performance, the numbers, how they're doing, it's all available for you to use. You'll be able to look at the last week, the last month, the last year, three years, five years, 10 years, 12 years. You'll be able to look at the whole history before you make any decisions. So that's the big thing. Hopefully this information kind of shed some light on the wild world of investing. I know a lot of people have been asking me about that and everyone thinks they should be investing, which is true. You should be. You want to diversify your income. You want to have different means to be able to make money but a lot of people don't know even where to begin where to start so hopefully this just sheds a little bit of light you know ipos that initial public offering how those companies become available um, if you're talking about stocks you're talking about investing knowing what an exchange traded fund is knowing some of the tools the apps that you can use it's available and it's you don't have to be afraid of it you're only afraid of what you don't understand maybe what you don't know 
So do a little research, do a little homework, maybe watch a little, you know, episode of CNBC in the morning when they're talking all the language. And that's how I learn a lot. I watch CNBC, I watch Squawk Box, I'm learning all this information, the lingo. And, you know, do a little bit of reading, a couple, there's plenty of books, information out there. Start to educate yourself and then just get involved even at a small level. Get involved in the market so you can get your investment your investment portfolio started. So thanks for listening, guys. This has been another money episode, the YFYI podcast. Hopefully you guys are enjoying this. I think, I'm not sure what number, how many money episodes we have at this point. Probably 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. I do them every so often. As I'm talking to people and more people are asking about the money episode, I will do more in the future so we can kind of continue to grow and learn together. Definitely check out some of those apps. Any questions, comments, let me know. Hit me up. Leave me a voice message. If you're you know, on the podcast, you go in the show notes. There will be a link in there. You can drop in a voice message, a question, a comment, a topic, anything you want to, you know, want me to talk about or you want me to discuss. It's a new feature from our partners over there at Anchor.fm, the most awesome podcast app out there. And uh, you can definitely get in touch with me through there. Make sure you give a follow at your first year in. On Instagram, I'm at SunnyD1.0. And I come to you each and every week, dropping a little knowledge, giving you a little info as we're learning how to hack this Bob, the business of beauty together. So on that note, guys, thanks for listening to the YFYI podcast. And remember, this is the place where you come to learn how to build your business right once or else you will be doomed to have to build it again. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.